0: Now I'm going to take you through our scripture passage for today, which is Hebrews 10, chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. It's on page 1007 in the Red Pew Bibles. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is the word of the Lord. And now I'd like to invite Nate up to the stage. Good
1: morning. Good morning. It's good to be here again. Um, the second week in a row I get to preach here at Regen. And I want to say the same thing I said at first service. David Barta makes me smile. Does he make anyone else smile? He just kind of makes me smile um, when he's around doing announcements. So thank you, David. Appreciate it. Um, also want to say, this is the I've been preaching a lot on and off for years. And I just had a cappuccino right before I preached. I don't ever do that. It's kind of an experiment. So let's see if I can have a cappuccino and feel OK. If I get jittery halfway through, just say, sorry, he shouldn't have had the cappuccino. I won't do it again in the future. Um, but good morning. It's good to be here. Um, are we awake this morning? We're here. We're awake. We're alive. Glad to be here. Okay. Um, I'm glad. Just I think it's an honor to be able to stand here. It, it's a strange honor to stand here and speak of the Bible. So I take it as an honor and a privilege um, to be able to be here, that God would let me do this. And I'm, I'm grateful and count it as a sacred moment where we all sit here in this room and ponder life and God and these scriptures together. Um, and I hope that we Wherever we're at, we're all at different places right now, right? We have different fears, different stresses, different anxieties, different things, different distractions in our heads. Um, I hope we can take a breath this morning, Uh, be reminded that we are loved by our Creator. There is grace um, and hope from our Creator. Um, And be reminded this morning of this message of koinonia, of community. I started last week, a three-part series on... um, This Greek word koinonia, which means fellowship, but it means life together. Um, It means life supporting one another, encouraging one another, being there for one another, praying for one another, uh, supporting one another as a family. Uh, So we're going to continue that um, this morning. Before we do that, um, I'm going to ask you to embrace awkwardness a couple times this morning. Um, But I'd like to say a a prayer for home group leaders. Um, This message, Albert and I talked about it a while ago, uh, a ko- of Koinonia is inspired by our home groups and our home groups are relaunching in the fall. So this is the official kickoff week for home groups. I know some have still been meeting, some have been meeting on and off, some have been meeting for fellowship, um, some are still getting some things worked out to start meeting in a week or two, um, but we're officially launching and I'm excited and, and I hope that if you're not in a group that you can kind of learn about them and be interested. For those of you who are in a group um, that you're ready and excited to to be together, um, but could I say, could, could you raise your hand if you are, are a home group leader, or actually a, a leader of any kind, like alpha group, home group, interest group, could you kind of, could you raise your hand? I, I, people are like, no, okay, yeah, yeah, so could you do me a big favor? Could you guys stand up so we, we can pray for you? You're like, oh, I heard an OG's back there somewhere. <laughs> okay, I know, I know, but this is done um, out of the hope of, of encouraging you and honoring you, um, folks that lead groups of any kind at Regen man, put time into it, um, commitment into it, put some of their soul into it, um, put themselves out there um, as a leader and as a shepherd of people, and we just want to say thank you um, to you, and we bless you and, and hope that things, um, that you feel encouraged, that you feel strengthened, that you feel invigorated um, as you lead home groups. So this morning, if you're near somebody, Um, would you mind like either walking over to them or reaching out to them just for a minute? So if you're close, could you maybe scoot close to them or kind of, if you want to lay hands, you can. If you don't want to, that's totally fine as well. If you just want to pray from where you are, that's cool. If you're someone who likes to get close, um, then go ahead and do that. Awesome. And then this morning, I'm just going to say lead a prayer, but if you just want to pray silently for that person um, as I pray or those in the room, um, please join me as I lead us in a word of prayer. For them okay let's let's pray father we we pause um, to be grateful for these folks who give their time and energy to lead groups and and we know that there are moments where it is so beautiful and even easy and there are moments when it is hard and painful um, to facilitate and to lead and to guide and we ask that these people in this room who are putting themselves out there in this way would be encouraged god would you encourage them would you give them energy? Would you give them life to keep going? Would you give them um, a confidence, God, that you have called them and that you, will, you will work in them, that you will help them um, as they lead these groups? But God, would, they, would these leaders feel honored and loved and cared for um, and encouraged this morning and blessed this morning um, to go out and roll with their groups? Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Can we give them a little, just a little, little thank you. A little thank you this morning. Thank you. Did you get double prayer, David? David got double prayer, first and second service. Um, Well done. So on that note, if you have questions about home groups, there are comment cards. You could write that. Um, You could also email me, nate at regenerationweb.com, and we will try to connect you to a group um, in the near future. But we really want everyone to feel welcome into groups and to feel like there's a space for you moving forward. Um, all right, so this morning we're going to jump into Hebrews. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Um, we're going to look a little background of this book of Hebrews and then really focus on verses um, 24 and 25 of Hebrews chapter 10. So just so you know, I really dig this, these couple verses like a lot. I really um, am kind of obsessed and fascinated with these couple verses right now. I remember when I was a kid, I would like find a verse, like a life verse, and I would get way into it. Like when I was in high, I went to a Christian high school, and I was like way into having like a verse for the year. And I haven't for a long time, but I've been reading different parts of the New Testament and stumbled upon these couple phrases, sentences, um, in Hebrews chapter 10. And there's just this beautiful, succinct, but deep way where the author talks about how we encourage each other that I, I have found really compelling. So I hope that you, by the end of today, that you share some of my excitement for these few phrase, these couple phrases here um, about how we encourage each other towards love and towards good deeds. But first, I'm going to do a little bit of the intro to the book. I don't like looking at verses like way out of their context. Um, But the book of Hebrews, we don't know who wrote it, which is kind of funny. Most of the New Testament, it's clear who wrote it. We don't know who wrote wrote Hebrews. It's pretty long. It's a little bit like Paul's letters, epistles, but it's a little different. Um, There's a lot of warnings. If you flip through the first, like, nine chapters in your Bible, there's a lot of warnings um, to these people. We do know that it was written to Hebrew people or Jewish people, okay? It was written to some Jewish folks who have decided to believe in Jesus, and they have been in community for a while. So it's written to a church that has been in existence for a while. They've been moving forward for a while, and now someone has felt compelled to write them a letter to say, let me warn you about some things, and let me try to encourage you in some things. You need some guidance at this point in your journey as a church, as a, as a fellowship, as a body. And I am thinking, if we're honest with ourselves, most of us can relate to being in a space where we've been a Christian for a while— Um, And then we go through ups and downs and we hit a phase where we might need some reminders or some fresh perspective or some fresh encouragement to move forward. Anyone identify with that? With being in a space where it's like, I've been doing this for a while and I can remember and look back when I first was excited about Jesus and maybe when I was first excited about community with other people or first excited about my new church or whatever, my new home group, whatever it was. And I had this, like this pure excitement energy and the reality is in our lives we have seasons of ups and downs and seasons that are easy and seasons that are hard and seasons where we don't even know if we can make it through seasons that are painful um, traumatic we have seasons where we argue with other people for all sorts of reasons and we bump heads and it's difficult and it's painful to move through and so we can look back to this point sometimes, but we're not at that point anymore. We're at a new point, and we're older, and we've gone through more real life, and we're going, and we're still in a community. Some of us leave community. Some of us are still in a community holding on, and we need like a fresh reminder or encouragement of how to move through this together. And Hebrews is this word. Let me warn you what things could happen if you go this route, but let me encourage you as a church body, as individuals, how to move forward together, okay? Okay. Um, And I want to point out that in the first few chapters of Hebrews, there's a lot about Jesus as a high priest, and a lot about this idea that we can have confidence to be with God, that we can have confidence that we can now talk to God freely, that we can have confidence in God's forgiveness moving forward. So there's chapter after chapter, and it's really weighty theologically if you flip through it, all these weighty theological ideas, but getting at the point of, Like, remember what God has done for us. We used to be far from God, and now we can just go and speak to the creator of the universe, amen? Amen. We can just go talk to the creator of the universe, and there is love offered, and forgiveness offered, and grace offered. So let's take advantage of that. Um, So I'm gonna read verses just 19 to 23, um, and then I'll spend most of the message talking about verses 24 and 25. But let me read 19, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful, even in all the crazy things we face in this life. And I want to point out again, if, if you're like me at all, sometimes even as an individual I hit points which I am not proud of how I've been today. Can anybody ever admit to feeling like that? Like the, the life that I've lived today or the thoughts that I've had today Maybe it was nothing outlandish, but it was just that I I haven't spoken to God very much the last couple days. I've been distracted, and I've just been doing my thing, and if I'm honest, I haven't talked to God. Sometimes that can kind of spiral into a shame and a doubt of like, man, I have not been this person I thought I was. I have not been this person who prays and reads the Bible and is committed. Like, that hasn't been me, and the shame can creep in. This shame of man, do, like, do I even belong? Is that even me? Does does God even want to hear from me? Because I have not been talking to God. That that shame can creep in and make us feel like we shouldn't try to enter God's presence because we don't belong in God's presence. But the author reminds us: No, you can have confidence to enter the holy place to God because God has sprinkled you clean, so you can have confidence to go right back to God, no matter what kind of thoughts or what kind of laziness what kind of whatever's been going on, you can have confidence to enter right back in um, and enter God's presence and have confidence that you are loved and that you are cared for and you are welcome with God, okay? Um, And to be reminded of God's hope. And one of the things with home groups that I've been encouraging our home group leaders is that anytime we gather as a home group, that we have a moment to remind ourselves of the hope we have in God. Because I think we need it. I think we need to be reminded that there is a God, there is a God who offers hope, there is a God who loves us, and have that reminder on a regular basis of this this hope that we have that we find nowhere else in life, this hope and this love and this grace that we have that's been given to us. Okay, now, let's get into verses 24 and 25. I hope that you love it half as much as I do, and then we'll have fun together. So, let's look at 24 and 25, actually, let's verse 24 first. Verse 24, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now on the slides, I want to point out some other translations. That translation was the ESV that's in your pew. I want to point out a few other ones just to help provoke your imagination a little bit. Um, so there's, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. There's, and let us consider each other carefully for the purpose of sparking love and good deeds. There's, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. The message, I like this, it says, let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. NRSV says, and let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. So I'm going to look at this verse like a a phrase at a time, okay? Try to look at it deeply. First of all, let us consider. The author says, let us consider. Let us think about it. Like, let's pause for a minute and think about this. Let's be intentional about this. Let's be inventive about this. Let's be thoughtful about this idea. So let's pause and really meditate on this idea of spurring one another on to love and good deeds. So if you're in a marriage you pause and consider how do I spur my partner or stir up my partner or encourage my partner to love and good deeds? How do I do that? Let's think about it. If you're in a family In your family think about in my family how do I encourage the other people in my family towards love and towards good deeds my crazy kids my crazy aunt you know my beloved grandma how do I encourage them to love and good deeds in a home group if you're in one how do I encourage how do I stir up the other people in my home group towards love and towards good deeds, and even in a church in general. So I'd like you, can you look around um, the whole, look around this, this place, and this is the second service. There's a whole other crew sitting here in the first service, okay? Some people you know well and deeply, some people you might not know at all, but within regeneration, let us stop and consider, how do I encourage the other people here how do I stir them up towards love and towards good deeds? Okay, so let us stop and ponder. Let us stop and be thoughtful. Let us stop and consider this idea together. And then the next phrase, how to stir up one another to love and good works. So I want go to th- go through some more translations. You can think of Spur one another to love and good deeds, which is the, the funniest translation. It reminds me of a cowboy on a horse, spurring on the horse. It's kind of a weird translation, actually. But provoke one another to love and good deeds. Inspire one another. Motivate one another. Stimulate one another. But there's this idea, and it's, it's, not, a, it's not a condemning idea, but it's an encouraging idea. And the word encouragement is repeated again at the, end, at the next verse. But this idea isn't encouraging. How do I see you, and how do I somehow coax, right, or inspire, do something to see love and good deeds be more a part of your life? How do I do that? And I was thinking of an illustration for this, to illustrate this idea of, of stirring you up, or like, how do I bring this out in you? Um, and the illustration that comes to my mind because I spend a lot of time doing it, is coaching basketball. So I coach a lot of youth basketball. Few of you have probably seen me over there, even lately. I've seen people watching me or coming by in the gym across the street. But I do a lot of youth coaching with, like, nine-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 11-year-olds, high schoolers, young adults. Um, And I was going to say also, as a pause, Um, Some of you have heard me preach, this is like time number two. I give a fair amount of basketball illustrations, so if that offends you, I'm sorry. Okay? If you really hate basketball, sorry about that, but it comes out sometimes. And I say that partly because my older daughter, who was seated right over there for service, she thinks basketball is a horrible waste of our time, and we should just be fighting global poverty and racism right now, and why are we we chasing a ball on a court or field? She doesn't understand. So, I know some of you may feel that way, but basketball helps me think through life a little bit, okay? But when I'm coaching basketball, when I'm coaching 11-year-olds, both for basketball and I see it as a life coaching thing, for me at least, um, I have to really consider how do I stir up this group to be something better than they thought they could be? Like, how do I help? I just showed them how to do a left-hand layup and they can't do it, so how do I use every ounce of energy inside of me to help them do this, okay? And it takes a lot of, The first idea was was intentionality let us consider but then it takes a lot of positive energy to coach a group so like yesterday i had a group of 10 um fifth graders okay in a room some of them are kind of good at basketball they're they're not amazing at basketball Um, they have a lot of energy a lot of nervous energy and in order to help them become the best they can be it takes a lot of patience and it takes a lot of encouragement And it takes a lot of showing and it takes a lot of seeing what they're doing and calling out anything good that they did especially for kids who are struggling so i watch the kids who are struggling and when they do anything kind of right i like run over to them and i'm like johnny that was really close you know like you almost (laughs) like you almost you did the right foot you did the right footwork to to the left hand layup okay like man good job and i'll say guys did you see, like, Johnny got the footwork right for the left-hand layup? And all like, get them in the mode of, like, we need some energy for this person to help them get to this next spot. You can't just say, oh, go do this. It takes, right, like, like a relation, for me, it's a, a relationship and a trust and an energy. So I spend an hour practice, literally, I run around the court a lot. Sometimes I get sore if I don't warm up, because I end up running, and I'm like, no, you dribble, you get down in the stance, and I'm literally, like, in a stance, like, let's go, we can do, we can do this you can do this, you can work hard, you can have discipline, right? You, you can support your teammates, but it takes a certain amount of, of energy and enthusiasm and intentionality to say, I'm gonna do everything I can do in this hour so this kid can feel loved and cared for and encouraged that he can do it. And so I give that illustration to say that to actually inspire or provoke or stimulate or motivate the people around us, to love and good deeds. It takes intentionality, but it takes some energy, right? Some encouragement and some patience and some enthusiasm to see something, a spark of someone, a spark of something in someone, and to notice it and to appreciate it in them, right? To tell them, I saw that yesterday and that was beautiful. To, to give them that word or that moment or that facial expression or that tone of voice to those people around you, to let them know, hey, I love you and I care about you and I, I, I see what God is doing and I dig it and I support it and I encourage it and I'm there for you. And if I got to run around and clap and cheer you on, I'll, I'll do that to, so I can help you mature towards love and good deeds. Amen? But it takes some, it takes, it's going to take some, some energy to help one another move towards love and towards good deeds. So now I want to focus on this, this last phrase, this idea of love and good deeds. This is apparently the summary or like the conclusion of what could happen. So we're being intentional and I'm figuring out how do I, how do I encourage you and coach you along and cheer for you along your way, whatever is best for you. And the point of this, in this little, this little couple sentences, is towards love and towards good deeds, I, I hope, right, and I trust that these people around me. I want to hope, trust, encourage that they can be to a place where it becomes more natural for them to be people of love and of good deeds. Um, let's talk about love and good deeds. Matthew 22, 36 to 40 on the slide. Um, they asked Jesus a question. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So this great goal repeated again in scripture is that we learn how to become people of love. And we know we can only get there with the Holy Spirit empowering us and helping us to become people of love. But the scriptures are also teaching us we need each other to help each other become people of love and of good deeds. I was listening to a podcast by a a pastor I appreciate named John Ortberg down in Menlo Park. And he actually spent a big chunk of this podcast talking about home groups, talking about this idea of helping people become people of love as a priority in the church. Because in a church, there's all kinds of things we value, right? We, we value study of Scripture. We value people meeting together. We value all these different activities in a church, and he made this big dramatic example: if somebody goes to every Bible study and every training meeting and every community group meeting there is, but they haven't learned to love, but they're a mean, angry person, like have we really, have we really done our job? Have, have we really, like, what have we really accomplished? that it's great to do all these wonderful things that are good things to do. But if we do them and we miss out on becoming a person of love, a person who loves God and who loves people, then something is missing. Because this great goal is that we become people of love, who love God and we love people. And we wrestle with that. And of course we don't do it perfectly, but we are wrestling and growing with how to love the people around us and love the world um, around us. And good deeds, which could be a whole other sermon, right? But it says love and good deeds. Encourage people to love and good deeds. We are called to do good work in the world, amen? To do good things in this world. We are called and taught to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. To, to love those who need support. To, to reach in where things are broken around us. Where there is brokenness and where there is a lack of healing. We are called to be God's hands and feet and reach in and be a part of God's process of healing and of restoration. Amen? That is a part of who we are. And that is what we need encouragement to do. And I, I see even I, I see this at Regen now. I, I see people who are stepping out into their calling, or have, and now I'm hearing stories, people who have have seen a need in the world, right? seen a pain in the world, or in their city, or in their block, and in their family, and they're stepping into that with God's love, and stepping into these narratives of brokenness, and they're stepping in with hope in all kinds of different ways. And to do that, we need to help each other. To do that, we need to support each other, to encourage each other towards love and good deeds. Because when you have a dream and you see a vision and you want to step in and you want to serve or you want to help, you want to be a part of the solution, we need one another to do that. You need your friend to encourage you. Because when you try the first time and it doesn't go that well and it was frustrating, you need your friend to say, you know what though, remember, God gave you this vision. Remember, remember you were excited about this. Like, let's pray, let me encourage you, let me help you along your way so you can step back in. And become the, the, the healers, the people who have good deeds that we were made to be. So we were made to be people of love and of good deeds, but we need each other to help us become those people that God wants us to be. Amen? Amen. We need each other. Now, the next phrase um, that is written here actually makes me chuckle. And I think it's okay for the Bible to make us chuckle sometimes, because sometimes people said funny things. Um, or wrote things that are a little funny, even would have been funny and interesting or ironic to people who heard it the first time. Um, But I'm going to look at 24 and 25 again. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So there's a warning, and this warning is fascinating to me because the section in general is so encouraging in Hebrews. It's like, man, remember, God has made you clean, and you have confidence, and remember to encourage each other, and then it says, um, as some of you have done. Like, it's this very, like, side-eye, like, as some, you know, neglecting to meet together as a few of you have done, and I just, I wish, like, we don't know, like, these letters were actually written historically, right, and they were sent to people, and someone read them, so I just, I just want to picture a group of people were hearing this, you know, someone's reading it, here's the letter from someone, and they're reading it, and it goes, as some of you have done. And imagine some of the people in the crowd like, oh, is that me? Like we took off, you know, like last month we took off and stopped meeting together. And that was probably about us. But this reminds me of almost like, like, like a Facebook post. Have you ever seen a Facebook post and you're not sure if it's about you? <laughs> you know, you know those face, like those subliminal messages? Oh, you know those people who do this, they make me mad. This sounds like this. So I wonder if them hearing it and thinking, oh, yeah, encouraging. And then it's like, but don't neglect meeting together as a few of you have done over there. So it's funny to me, but it's also a very serious warning. So we've spent a lot of time, and I've done my very best to get us excited about this idea of how important it is to consider how do we stir up one another to love and good deeds. But there's a very simple reality. We can't stir up one another to love and good deeds if we aren't together. So it's just a simple reality. You can't get encouragement if you don't have that person to encourage you. If you're not in community, if you aren't developing friendships with people who know you, right, and, and, and you can be vulnerable with and you can be honest with, if you don't have those friendships, then you're not gonna get the full weight of what this could be in your life. The encouragement that you need, the, the, the prayers for you, the encouragements, the, the calls, right, the being there for you, you're not going to have that if you're not in the community, right? If you're not meeting with somebody. Last week, we talked about breaking bread together. But if you're not breaking bread with people, then they won't know what's going on. They won't know how to encourage you. They won't know how to call you. They won't know how to write you a note, right? They won't know how to pick you up when you fall down. So if we don't meet together, we, we can't, it's just not going to happen, just logically, right? Just logically, we can't have this if we're not meeting with someone. And there's a lot of reasons why we pull out from fellowship. There's a lot of reasons we draw back or isolate ourselves. And some of them might even be healthy reasons for a season, right? There's all kinds of reasons and trauma and pain and things that we need to step back for a moment. Um, but hopefully, we can step back in to community, to, to friendships, To people because we need it and this is the way God designed life that we need each other to move forward to become people of love and good deeds so I want to encourage you even in this moment um, to consider in your own life of community of people who know you people who care about you and maybe it's family maybe it's roommates maybe it's a home group maybe it's a group of friends Um, It's often rarely black and white. There's often, you know, various groups, various groups of people who love us and support us. Um, But I want to encourage you in this moment to consider, do you need more of that? Or maybe in your group, in your community, you need to seek reconciliation with people because it's become difficult. You need to push through some things. Or perhaps you need to just jump back into something that you haven't been a part of. Or perhaps you need to start a new thing or a new group for you to be around of, but I would I would challenge all of us, including myself in this room, to really stop and consider. How does community? How does fellowship? How does life together work for me right now, and what is maybe a step I can take towards a, a healthy way of having koinonia um, in my life? So, in a moment, um, we're about to wrap up the, the the sermon part of this morning. But up here, we have a bunch of cards. Um, and they're pretty. Look at all these pretty colors. We've got a bunch of cards up here. And while we do communion um, and worship, as we do every Sunday here at Regeneration, while we do that, there's going to be another element, another uh, wrinkle added in. And what I'm asking you to do is to think about these cards up here and to think about somebody um, at Regeneration, a part of this church body, that you could encourage. So a way that you could, you could kind of hear this passage and the way you could step into it right now um, to think about, who could I write a note to, a handwritten note, and who, I love—I think we all love handwritten notes, right, in our age of social media and emails, um, but a handwritten note, and to consider right now, who could I write this to that this would actually encourage? It could, be a, it could be someone in my family or someone I'm sitting with right now. It could be my spouse, it could be my son and my daughter, um, or it could be someone that I've just noticed around regeneration that I don't know quite as well, but I'm grateful for. Maybe somebody that that leads a certain thing or serves in a certain way. Um, Maybe someone that's in Sunday school or someone that serves in the cafe or just somebody who's here, who you know to some extent. Um, Would you be willing to write a note in this moment to say, I love you? Or to say, I want to encourage you? Or to say, thank you for this? Or to say, I appreciate how you do that? Because those simple, authentic words mean a lot to each other when we say them or when we articulate them in different ways. Um, So I'm going to encourage you at this time to think about it for a moment, to take a card, and you could end up needing to finish it at home later. You might need to mail it. You might need to hand it to somebody. But I think you could have time, if you want, to write a couple of sentences and give it to someone this morning before they leave, to actually write it right now um, and give it to somebody. And I know we all know there's a decent chance if you take it home, you might just forget about it because I do stuff like that. Um, so if you want to write it right now, put it together, that'd be wonderful. And I want to encourage you, it doesn't have to be poetic or profound or long, but just meaningful and thoughtful. Take a moment to consider, how do I encourage someone else towards love um, and good deeds? So please consider taking one of these during um, the communion time. So now in a moment, we will move into a time of communion and a time of worship. I'd like to read to you from Mark 14. And as they were eating, he took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, take, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank of it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. So this morning, as we move into worship there, if you are new, there are elements in the front. Um, also in the back corner, and you may go ahead and serve um, yourself the elements during the time of worship. Also during this time, I believe we have a couple of people who may be willing to pray for you, who will come up to the front right here if you would like and desire prayer. Um, note who will be up here in the front. You can come and ask for prayer. So we have communion, and prayer, and um, cards of encouragement all during this time of worship. So I'm, I'm going to start us off with the word of prayer, and then we'll move into a time of worship through music. <clears throat> Father, we pause to remind ourselves of your sacrifice. We pause to honor your love for us, your sacrifice for us, your commitment to us. God, as we take these few moments, would you speak to us? Would your Holy Spirit encourage us? Would your Holy Spirit motivate us? Would your Holy Spirit just bring to our eyes and our thoughts the things that we need to notice in our own lives right now. And may your spirit give us courage to take steps and to move forward in our life. God, we love you. We are so grateful for this space. We are so grateful for the friends around us. Thank you, God. Amen.